The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome, Giants fans. You are listening to the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of the SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine, and yes, I guess you could call this a Valentine's Day edition of Valentine's Views. Insert uh, insert jokes as you will. Anyway, Giants fans, what uh, what will we be talking about today? First, we're going to hit some of the the news topics that have uh, that have come up with the Giants recently. Uh, one of those is the Jay Glazer created Odell Beckham trade speculation. Another is the Denver Broncos acquisition of quarterback Joe Flacco, which perhaps puts current Denver quarterback Case Keenum in play for the New York Giants you know should they uh, perhaps decide to move on from Eli Manning we will also talk to CBS Sports draft analyst Chris Trapasso we'll spend time with Chris talking largely about Kyler Murray we will also discuss Chris's latest mock draft for CBS, which has a, a rather interesting selection for the New York Giants. So we'll talk to Chris in a few minutes. First, you know, let's talk a little bit. We'll start with the Odell Beckham stuff. Jay Glazer of The Athletic you know, created a little bit of an uproar this week when in answer to a mailbag question, asking for a bold off-season prediction. You know, Glazer, who's one of the the most well-connected analysts uh, inside the NFL, you know, said that his bold prediction was that the Giants would trade Odell Beckham Jr. this off-season. Now, listen, when uh, when media spoke to uh, to D- Giants GM Dave Gettleman, you know, at the end of the season, he said that the Giants didn't sign Odell Beckham to trade him. He didn't outright squash the idea that the Giants, you know, would consider it, you know, didn't absolutely outright say there was no way that that would happen. 
But to be honest, let's let let's be real. I mean, it, it's very unlikely. I mean, there are ways that the contract could work out, and and this podcast isn't really the the right format or forum to get into all of the salary cap ramifications of uh, of trading Odell Beckham. But in all honesty, it's not something that I that I foresee at this point in time. You know, if someone picks up the phone and calls the Giants and says, "Hey, you know, we." This is what we would give you for Odell Beckham. I'm sure that the Giants, you know, I'm sure that the Giants aren't going to refuse to take the phone call. You always listen, you always weigh your options. But I see it as very, very unrealistic or very unlikely that Odell Beckham would be wearing any uniform other than a New York Giants one, you know, in the 2019 season. You know, unfortunately, you know, that speculation, it's Odell Beckham, that kind of speculation's been out there for a long time, you know, before he signed his his mega contract with the Giants. It's going to continue to be out there. It just is what it is at this point. And, uh, you know, this isn't the last time you're going to hear it. So, you know, take it for what it is. The other topic that, that we need to talk about is the Case Keenum stuff. Now, listen, you know, the Giants, most of the news reports have indicated, and my belief is also that the Giants' intent is to go forward with Eli Manning as their quarterback in 2019. Is that written in stone? Absolutely not. The Giants haven't made an announcement. They haven't said, you know, this is the plan. Eli is the quarterback. They haven't done anything. They don't have to do anything yet. We are still in the off season. I believe it's March 17 when the Giants have a roster bonus that they need to pay Manning. So we should know, we should have an answer at that point as to what the plan is. But, you know, it, when I wrote yesterday about Case Keenum and about that situation, you know, some people got upset saying they didn't think Keenum was a better quarterback than Eli. They didn't know why why the Giants would do that. And listen, I'm not advocating Case Keenum to the Giants. I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm not saying it's a bad idea. The only thing that 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 I did by writing about it at Big Blue View is to simply put on the table that Case Keenum and Pat Shermer have a successful history together from 2017 with the Minnesota Vikings, and that if the Giants were to decide that they would rather have a different veteran placeholder than Eli Manning, that perhaps Case Keenum would have to be considered. I think because of the history between Shermer and Keenum, think you have to consider that the Giants would at least talk about that. Is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea? I don't know. I think the Giants can go forward and score points in 2019 with Eli Manning if they put a good offensive line in front of him. If Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, Odell Beckham stay healthy and make plays, I think the Giants can run a successful offense. Pat Trena at Big Blue View took a look at the salary cap implications of of bringing in Case Keenum, bringing in Nick Foles for that matter, and, and cutting Eli Manning. And, and the salary cap implications, to be honest, just don't make a whole lot of sense. It would put the Giants in a situation where between the money paid to, 
to one of those two quarterbacks and the money that they would still owe Eli Manning, you know, it, it puts them in a situation where the cap money that they would be paying to the quarterback position would be substantial and probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense. What might make sense in reference to Case Keenum is if the Denver Broncos cannot find a trade partner for Case Keenum, cannot find someone willing to give them a decent draft pick or maybe give them anything at all in return for Case Keenum, if the Denver Broncos were to cut Case Keenum, swallow the $18 million, you know, base salary that he's got, swallow the cap hit, whatever, you know, whatever that amounts to, and turn Keenum loose on the free agent market to where you could negotiate a contract with Keenum rather than have to take on the $18 million that he's owed on his current contract, then maybe you consider that. Maybe you consider bringing Keenum in as a backup. I don't know. Um, you know, he, he's probably, he's an upgrade from Alex Tanney. I can, I can tell you that much, but I don't, I don't foresee the Giants, you know, making a trade or making a big move to go get Case Keenum and take on that $18 million. But the fact that, that this move that, that the Broncos made with Joe Flacco likely makes Case Keenum available makes it a topic that has to be discussed in the Giants universe. So that's what we've been doing. That's what we're trying to do. That's what we do here at Big Blue View anyway. We, we try to keep you informed. We try to keep you up to date. We try to create discussion. We try to give you things to think about and talk about. So that's what we've done here. All right, Giants fans, with that said, let's switch gears. Let's bring in Chris Trapasso of CBS Sports, and we'll talk to Chris largely about Kyler Murray and the upcoming 2019 NFL Draft. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Okay, Giants fans, I promised you uh, a special guest a little while ago. I promised you uh, that we would be talking to Chris Trapasso, CBS Sports Draft Analyst, and Chris joins us now. Chris, thank you very much for uh, for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for reaching out. Hey, no problem, no problem. I wanted to uh, to talk to you um, about the Giants and specifically 
you know, about uh, all of the speculation regarding Kyler Murray. Uh, let's just start with this. Where do you stand on Kyler Murray as an NFL prospect? Right now, pre-combine and with him maybe more than any other quarterback, especially at the top that we've seen in the last, I don't know, three to five drafts, if not longer, the combine will not necessarily make or break his draft stock, but it will probably matter more than any of those other quarterbacks in recent memory. He's my number two quarterback going into the combine in Indianapolis later this month. Um, I really liked what I saw from him inside the pocket. I mean, for as much as, you know, a big part of him winning the Heisman was based on his scrambling ability um, and what he can do outside the pocket improvising. I think for a a one-year full-time starter who does have those height concerns, he did not have any problem seeing over his big Oklahoma offensive line. Um, To me, what was the most impressive, though, this is really specific, but I think it's an important part of playing quarterback, Um, For as athletic as he is, and even some quarterbacks who aren't very athletic have problems with this, I saw a handful, I saw many, many plays in which he stayed inside the pocket, didn't like what he would see on his first read, and then not just instantly take off and become a runner or leave the pocket and thereby, you know, kind of shortening the play as he's running toward the sideline. He is patient inside the pocket. Um, It's really only when... Uh, three, four, five seconds go by that he decides to use those legs. I mean, there were certainly some instances where he left the pocket early, um, but not nearly as much as you would think for someone that's as athletic as him. Have him right in the back end of the first round value-wise, just there's so many good defensive linemen, offensive linemen, receivers. Um, But, yeah, I'm not really someone that's that – um, you know, low on him in terms of, you know, worried about his height, um, coming out of the air raid system, where those two elements of him as a prospect, even five to seven years ago, would be seen as huge red flags, and they're just not anymore. That I think an important part of being a good draft analyst is constantly evolving as the game evolves. And in the last three years, we've seen these air raid quarterbacks um, perform well, and a lot of offensive coordinators and head coaches are more willing to not only use their quarterbacks out of the shotgun, but a lot of three or more wide receiver sets, a lot of pushing the ball down the field, a lot of screens. I'm not going to say the NFL is turning into the Big 12, but it certainly resembles it more than it did five to seven or ten years ago. So Tyler Murray's fascinating, um, but don't just look at, oh, he's a small, really athletic guy. He just runs around everywhere like Michael Vick did. He's a pretty uh, proficient pocket passer, especially relative to his experience. No, it's interesting, Chris. You used the word evolving, and I was kind of fascinated, I think, yesterday by the fact that, you know, Gil Brandt, uh, you know, newly elected, you know, newly uh, honored as a Hall of Famer, been around the NFL for, you know, for, for decades and decades. I was kind of fascinated by the fact that Gil Brandt, you know, maybe a person I wouldn't have expected, you know, came out really strongly in support of Kyler Murray. Um, did, I don't know if you saw that, but, uh, you know, do you, do you feel like, uh, like, like perceptions and maybe you know things that 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 Brant might have said are sort of are sort of changing you know within the NFL a little bit. 
Yeah, I think so. And I did see that uh, string of tweets that he put out there, talked about Russell Wilson never being in the top ten in terms of batted passes at the line. Even Johnny Manziel really in his one or two seasons in Cleveland didn't have a problem with that. And usually the guys who do lead the NFL in uh, passes batted down at the line are, are, are the bigger quarterbacks, or 6'2", 6'3", and above. Um, but, yeah, it was really interesting because you would think that someone who was scouting in the 50s and 60s and 70s um, wouldn't be that okay with a smaller quarterback, but there there are enough recent examples. Russell Wilson, Baker Mayfield had a great rookie season. Drew Brees, obviously a little bit older, um, of quarterbacks that can get it done at their height. And I really think um, certainly there's, you know, a lot that needs to be done in terms of um, reacting and, and, and reading the speed of defense in the NFL compared to college. But when you watch Tyler Murray this past season, as a passer, his height didn't seem to really hinder him at all. And, and that's not just rolling out or when he's improvising, throwing on the run, it was inside the pocket. And I think that there's a, um, this thought, which is, is weird because, you know, anyone that watches football can see this, the whole can he see over his line. Well, the offensive line is not, uh, you know, perfect wall where there's no throwing lanes. Every quarterback needs to find a throwing lane um, between his offensive linemen um, or to the side of one of his offensive linemen. And when you watch Kyler Murray, you saw that, that there's plenty of space just in the natural blocking um, in pass protection for any offensive line. So if he can get it done as a passer um, at Oklahoma in college um, and he does have an, an NFL arm, then I don't, under, I don't see or understand why, you know, there would be a, a concrete sentiment that he can't get it done in the NFL because he's too short. I think a lot of the, Shorter quarterbacks were ones that were like Kyler Murray in one sense, like they tried to run too much, and usually the smaller guys don't have good arms, so you kind of put those two things together, and it's easy to just point, oh, well, yeah, he didn't make it because he was 5'10", but in reality it's because of the arm strength. It's because they're not proficient inside the pocket, and Kyler Murray certainly has a good arm. It's not an amazing arm, but it's NFL caliber, Um, and like I've been saying, he – is proficient inside the pocket, drifting away from pressure, being patient, reading the entire field at times. I still think he could um, mature in that area. But it was interesting to see Gil Brandt, you're right, someone at his age that certainly showing that, that he's evolving in terms of what he's, um, you know, able to say, hey, this is okay for a quarterback um, to not be the six foot five statue in the pocket. We speak a little bit about evolving and and Gil Brandt and and those kinds of things, and yet, you know, when we talk about the Giants specifically, there was a report the other day, I believe, that came out from Ralph Ralph Bacchiano, who's a veteran Giants beat writer currently working for SNY, that the Giants – would most likely not be interested in Murray because they felt he is probably too small, you know, for them. And now we look at the Giants, and there were other other reports that came out, you know, that said the Giants have, have used the same basic scouting thresholds for most of four decades now. Um, 
I find, you know, I guess my question is, I mean, do you, first of all, let's put it this way, do you see the Giants as as a team, you know, that would take a chance on Murray? I don't. So I'm I'm curious to see to see how you how you think of that. I don't really either, uh, and I think kind of a lot of what you just said there, kind of insinuating that they have a way that they do it, and you know that starts at the top of their front office, um, of their starting department with Dave Gettleman. Seems like an old school type of guy. Certainly, you know, helped build a quality roster um, in Carolina. Was with the Giants earlier. Helped some of those Super Bowl teams. So just because he's old school doesn't mean that he doesn't know what he's doing and he's going to draft, you know, bad picks throughout every class. Um, But they don't necessarily peg me as a team that would take the chance on a smaller quarterback who's probably going to be between 5'9 and 5'10 at the combine. Um, It just doesn't seem – the only thing that is interesting to me um, is that Pat Shermer, their head coach, uh, got the best season – out of Case Keenum two years ago in Minnesota. And Case Keenum, you know, for a long time, and maybe that was just an aberration, maybe that was Pat Shermer just really tapping into the strength and accentuating those for Case Keenum. But Keenum was a guy that was, you know, kind of too small, didn't have a good arm, was in this air raid system at Houston, had a very illustrious, productive career. And people would have kind of pointed to him as, oh, hey, Case Keenum, someone that, you know, wasn't big enough for the NFL. So I don't know how much pull Pat Shermer has in the draft room. I would say a veteran, a a longtime veteran GM in Dave Gettleman that's been scouting since the 80s, early 80s. Um, You know, I don't know how much he would be willing to take from his head coach. Pat Shermer certainly is a very well-respected quarterbacks guy, um, but the Giants don't necessarily strike me as a team in the top half of the first round that would be, you know, placing Kyler Murray near the top of their board. But the Shermer angle is a little interesting because he does know how to work with, you know, a smaller quarterback and get the best out of him. And I just want to, you know, we talk about the Giants and thresholds and certain things that they like. The reality of it is, and and I'm kind of hoping that that you can shed some light on this, the reality of it is that I think all NFL teams work off of certain thresholds, certain characteristics based on, you know, position by position position that they look for, you know, based on maybe the system that they run, the scheme that they run, the type of head coach, the type of coordinators they have. I mean, those things aren't hard and fast, and then they make exceptions. But it's it's my impression in any way, you know, that all teams have have certain, you know, characteristics or thresholds, you know, that, that they start from. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think – some teams are a little more strict with those than others. And like you mentioned, you know, could there be exceptions here and there? Certainly. And the only thing that makes it kind of hard to really hammer down what teams have which threshold is that when there's a new head coach, say Brian Flores in Miami with the Dolphins, was with um, the Patriots for a while, is he taking the same thresholds to Miami? Does he have his own ideas? So every year when there's, you know, five to eight new head coaches in the NFL, that's when we kind of have to hit the reset button. Or there's new GMs, obviously, um, with those teams. That, that's when you have to say, hey, like, we need to, to start over. 
and see what this team does draft-wise and in free agency over the next couple of years. But, yes, it's not as if the Giants are the only team that says we want quarterbacks over 6'1", and we want cornerbacks over 5'11". I think that, along with athletic testing, maybe some production as well at the college level, every team in the NFL has thresholds. But, again, I think some teams in some areas, maybe the combine matters more to the Seattle Seahawks than it does to the New York Jets. Um, but, yes, I think the entire league has thresholds for every position um, that includes the entire makeup of their roster. And, obviously, you know, we know that Dwayne Haskins is, prob- is at this point, you know, QB1 heading into the draft. And, you know, the question for the Giants at six would be, I think, you know, whether they're, whether they're going to move up to get Haskins if he's their guy, whether they would sit at six and, and hope that he's there. Um, and, and I guess what I, what I wanted to ask you quickly is, do you think that Haskins as a prospect is a guy worth giving up, you know, the kind of draft capital it would take to move up to two or three or whatever it's going to be, you know, in order to get him? Uh, that's a really good question, and I think that's going to be one of the most burning questions over the next couple of months leading into the draft and potentially all the way until draft night. Um, I think he is because um, of just this general stat that doesn't necessarily have to do anything with the Giants. Of the last 11 quarterbacks to be picked in the first round over the last three drafts, um, 10 of them, the team that picked them, moved up to get them. The only one that wasn't was last year, Baker Mayfield going to the Browns, number one overall. So it's really just become the standard that if you want a quarterback, just guarantee yourself that you're going to get him and not hope that he falls to you because it's such an important position. You have to spend more than a first round pick. So maybe three or four years ago, it was, wow, you know, is Jared Goff really worth all this? Carson Wentz worth all this? But that's really the standard that's been set. And I think, In New York with the Giants, Dwayne Haskins, that would be one of the best landing spots for him, Um, especially because certainly Dave Gettleman, maybe some of the coaches, are cool with Eli Manning at this point starting the season um, as the starter. So I think um, Haskins, with only one year of experience like Kyler Murray, um, but certainly a very talented player that I think needs to learn the nuances of – dealing with pressure. He was not really pressured at all at Ohio State. When you look at the Penn State game and the Michigan State game, those were two games that were kind of concerning to me because the offensive, uh, the Ohio State offensive line in those games did have some hiccups, and he wasn't that deft of a you know pocket drifter sliding up, sliding to his left, sliding to his right, and then still making accurate throws. So I think learning from someone like Eli Manning that's you know, one from inside the pocket his entire career, I think that would work wonders for him. And you could kind of have a similar Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes type, you know, passing of the torch where maybe later in the season, if the Giants aren't in the playoff hunt, Haskins could, um, you know, start a few games just to kind of uh, see where he's at development wise. Um, and, and with Odell Beckham Jr. with Sterling Shepard, with Evan Ingram. I think he'd have a great cast of characters around him. Um, and depending on what the Giants do in the offseason and free agency in the draft, 
the offensive line would probably give him, you know, a decent amount of experience dealing with pressure. That's been obviously a problem for the Giants over the last couple of years. Um, so, yeah, for a team like the Giants, I, I think, you know, it, it wouldn't be flashy in the short term, but it would be a prudent move to really um, take a long look at Dwayne Haskins. And even if you have to go from six up to three or to two, that's just the way it is now with uh, franchise quarterbacks in the draft. I think that would be a great landing spot for him behind Eli Manning. Chris, last thing I want to talk about with you, you know, we've spent, uh, we've spent the last 15 minutes or so talking, you know, almost exclusively about quarterbacks. Your most recent mock draft, I was interested when I looked at, at that. Your mo- in your most recent mock, you gave the Giants Houston defensive tackle Ed Oliver. And the really interesting thing to me about that mock is – not a single quarterback had come off the board in your mock, you know, with the Giants on the clock at number six. I think you had Dwayne Haskins going to the Jacksonville Jaguars at number seven. Now, you know, I guess what I wanted to ask you about is, first of all, why Oliver? And also, if the Giants were to go in a direction that's not quarterback, I see, you know, they could go defensive tackle, they could go edge pass pass rusher, they could go offensive lineman. I mean, if they don't go quarterback or if Haskins is off the board, first of all, I wanted you to explain why you chose Oliver. And second of all, I guess I wanted you to talk about whether you agree with me or not that, that the Giants really have a, a plethora of options at that spot. Um, I went with Oliver, and, and if you read any of my mocks, which I come out with one every Friday, I always get in Dave Gettleman just because I think he is such, like I said earlier, so experienced, been to a Super Bowl, um, you know, knows what he wants in his roster. And I go back to, I mean, like we're talking about thresholds and, um, you know, draft history with GMs to kind of see if there's any trends. I mean, what he did in Carolina – he was constantly adding to that defensive line, not just, you know, to have a really good three technique and a good edge rusher. He wanted to be able to rotate, um, you know, six, seven, eight, nine players on the defensive line. So not only in the fourth quarter of games they were fresh, but in December they could still get after the quarterback. I really like Dalvin Tomlinson. I was a big fan of B.J. Hill coming out of NC State last year. Uh, to get him in the third round, I think, was perfect value. Those are two good young players. But I can see Dave Gettleman saying, hey, this is Ed Oliver sliding to us. He's a little bit undersized. He's not quite Aaron Donald athletically, but pretty close, as close as we've seen since Aaron Donald came into the NFL. Um, and we can get pass rush from him the quickest way imaginable, that he's not coming off the edge, he's right next to the football. Um, And I do agree that, you know, they would really be in the situation at six um, to take the best player available. And and in that mock, in that scenario, I had Ed Oliver as the best player available, not the most pressing need, um, but something that would, or a player that would instantly boost the defense, would have kind of a ripple effect on the rest of the defense. I think um, offensive line would be great to address there. Jonah Williams from Alabama um, would make a lot of sense. But, 
looking back at, you know, what Dave Gettleman did in Carolina, he kind of almost ignored the offensive line, especially early in the draft. If, if, if maybe the last few years with his lines not being as good, maybe he's turned the corner there. Uh, even trading back I don't think would be the worst scenario. There's a few other good offensive linemen that might be a better value in the, you know, somewhere from 13 to 16. Um, they could take cornerback. Uh, so, yeah, that, they're in a good spot where they have enough needs and they're not necessarily a team that will really um, make it obvious what they're going to pick. They could go, like you said, edge rusher as well. It's a loaded class there. Could probably get one in the top of the second um, that would be an instant starter just because of how deep that class is. But I think Ed Oliver is going to be fascinating because when you talk about thresholds, some teams are going to say, hey, he's only 280. He might be even two, only 275 at the combine. Uh, some teams might say, hey, I see Aaron Donald 2.0. I'm going to pick him. When the Rams took Aaron Donald in 2014, they already had three first-round defense alignment. They had Chris Long, they had Robert Quinn, and they had Michael Brockers. And a lot of people were like, okay, good player who kind of rose up boards from the senior bowl to the draft. But did the Rams really need to pick him? They have a good defensive line. They've invested a lot. And now, five years later, we're talking about the best defensive player in the NFL, um, and no one's questioning that pick now. So it might not be the, the most clear-cut need because of the youth on the Giants' defensive line, but Ed Oliver, to me, is someone that can be, you know, a Geno Atkins-type player, maybe an Aaron Donald if he uses his hands a little bit better. I think that would be a fun fit. That would make sense because Dave Gettleman likes those hog mollies up front. Yes, he does. Chris, thank you very much for the time. Before I let you go, why don't you uh, tell folks where they can find your work, where they can uh, hit you up on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Chris Trapasso. That's T-R-A-P-A-S-S-O. And you can find all my work on cbsports.com slash NFL Draft. All right, Chris. Thanks much for the time. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks. Okay, our thanks to Chris Trapasso for spending a few minutes with us. Lots of good information, lots of good discussion there regarding Kyler Murray, regarding the the, uh, the New York Giants. We thank you, as always, Giants fans, for listening, for supporting Big Blue View Radio, for supporting our website, for following us on Instagram at big underscore blue underscore view, for checking out our Facebook page, for following me on Twitter at Big Blue View. Please, you know, subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications if you haven't done so already. All right, thank you, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye bye. More to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.